From Valley Public Radio, you're listening to COVID-19 This Week, San Joaquin Valley. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock, with health reporter Carrie Klein. It's March 5th, 2021. Slowly and steadily, COVID-19 is loosening its grip on the San Joaquin Valley. And every day, thousands more people are being vaccinated against the virus. At the same time, the Tulare County Sheriff's Office is facing ongoing litigation surrounding its response to the pandemic in the county jail. Carrie's here to walk us through these developments. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks, Kathleen. So before we talk about the jail, bring us up to speed on what's been happening across the valley this week. Well, new infections continue to drop. Now, around 500 new cases are reported every day in our seven-county area, and that is about the rate we were seeing in early November. Hospital occupancies continue to steadily drop as well. For instance, our regional ICU capacity right now is at about 18%, but remember that for many weeks in December and January, it was at 0%. Uh, On the other hand, we're still not seeing deaths slow down the way that cases have, um, especially in Kern County. But uh, a spokesperson explained, you know, there just simply have been delays in receiving and processing death certificates. Um, And then our vaccine tally is now up to half a million doses administered in our region. As for the state reopening blueprint, still all counties in our area are in purple, except for Mariposa, which is in the red tier. Um, Mariposa, however, is actually looking like it'll progress into the orange tier next week, although all others are still solidly in purple for now. And it's been another big week of vaccine headlines. Yeah, it it is hard to keep up, actually. I mean, the the first is that the U.S. has approved a third vaccine, this one from Johnson & Johnson. And although it is less effective than the others, it is still quite effective. And it's also more shelf-stable and only needs one dose. So logistically, it's a really big deal. Another big news item is here in California, lots more people are now eligible. Education and childcare employees, food and ag workers, first responders, it's pretty huge. Um, They should be able to get vaccines anywhere there are supplies. Plus, some school districts are working out their own special arrangements. For instance, Fresno Unified is getting vaccine clinics from Valley Children's, and Sierra Pacific Orthopedics will be working with Clovis Unified. Vaccine providers are required to set aside 30% of their vaccines for people in this Tier 1B. Earlier this week, Governor Newsom and the state legislature struck a deal to incentivize elementary schools to open by April 1st. There are lots of details and caveats there, so we will save those for a later COVID update. This has also been the first week that the Valley has gotten its vaccine allocation boost, and you can see that online. Many clinics are now opening up hundreds or even thousands of appointments at a time. So if you're looking for an appointment, check online and check often. And just yesterday, Governor Newsom announced that 40% of all vaccines need to be set aside for disadvantaged communities. Although with every change that comes, the details of how exactly that will happen on the local scale will need to be worked out by each county. Earlier this week, President Biden proclaimed that all American adults would have access to the vaccine by the end of May. Do you sense the same level of optimism here at the local level? Not exactly, no. Um, In media calls this week, health leaders with Fresno County and with Dignity Health Hospitals in Bakersfield all said that the vaccination rate is certainly going to accelerate with the new vaccine, but that the numbers are in such flux, we just don't know what will happen in the coming months. Also, these leaders are very conscious of vaccine hesitancy out in the community. They're concerned that once the most enthusiastic people have gotten their shots, the rollout could slow down as fewer eligible people actually sign up. 
Okay, well, let's turn now to Tulare County. Last week, a team of lawyers, including with the ACLU of Northern California, brought a complaint against the county jail regarding its treatment of inmates during the pandemic. Bring us up to speed on this case. Right. So this is actually an update to a lawsuit originally filed last summer. That initial complaint alleged that the jail didn't provide masks to inmates for months into the pandemic, despite the fact that Sheriff Mike Boudreau was promoting masks out in the public. And it also alleged that restrictive visitation policies prevented inmates from meeting with attorneys. It also came out at that point that the sheriff's office didn't have a formal social distancing policy in place. There has been some movement in response to the lawsuit. A federal judge denied a request to immediately remedy some of those allegations, but he did grant a temporary restraining order to get the jail to update its prevention measures. So among other things, the judge required the jail to revise its masking policy, which it did, and to submit a social distancing policy in writing. And now that policy is one of the subjects of this latest document uh, called a supplemental complaint. Yeah, that's right. And so this supplemental complaint now alleges that the policy keeps inmates in their cells upwards of 23 hours a day, allowing them only an hour or in many cases a half hour for all of their programming and privileges like showering, phone calls and exercise. Dylan Werner Christ, a policy investigator with the ACLU of Northern California, said this policy from the sheriff is cruel and unusual and it violates inmates' rights to due process. Rather than create a social distancing policy, he just locked everyone down in their cells all the time. I, what I've told a lot of people, what I've talked about this with, is you can't solve one problem by creating another. I got to speak with one of the plaintiffs from within the Tulare County Jail. His name is Samuel Camposeco, and he pointed out they have less out-of-cell time than in many prisons. There's no reason why we have to be on 23-hour lockdown when there's some inmates who are in here for a DUI or just you know, misdemeanors or just petty charges. Why are these inmates allowed so little out of cell time? Well, Werner Christ says it's because the jail allows only two inmates out at a time in each unit, although the sheriff's office has not confirmed this to me. And although it might make sense on one level that just minimizing contact with other people is social distancing, Werner Christ argues it's not the only solution and there are more humane ways of doing it. With social distancing in the outside world, no one is locking you down and making sure you do it all the time, there's an element of trust. There's an element of, you know, we'll let you, you know, you walk on a path and you keep six feet apart from the people you've passed. I don't see why people who are incarcerated in the facility can't do the exact same thing. He also advocates for reducing crowding in the jail by releasing nonviolent and medically vulnerable inmates. Okay, so out of cell time is one of the targets of the complaint. What are the others? Well, another is COVID testing. The complaint alleges it's still inadequate at the jail. The sheriff's office does have a policy of testing people who've had known exposure to the virus or who have already tested positive, but there doesn't appear to be any surveillance testing of the general population or of the staff. And the ACLU argues this should be happening, especially since there was a surge in cases in December that infected at least 70% of one of the jail's units. Samuel Camposeco, the plaintiff you heard from earlier, said that although he's been in jail since before the pandemic, he has never been tested for the virus. He even alleges that nurses refused to give him a test, even when he had cold sweats and a fever. It was it was crazy. It was mind-blowing that if I wasn't incarcerated, I could walk up to any type of patient to get a test for free. But we couldn't do that here, despite having symptoms. I just thought that was a lot of negligence. 
The complaint also alleges that these conditions combined are contributing to a mental health crisis among inmates. Uh, for example, here's Charles Criswell. He's the lead plaintiff on the case, and he was just recently released from jail. I had a neighbor, and about every three days, he pretty much lost it, banging on the door, pushing the button, and trying to get you know, people, to, a cop to come and talk to him. So I heard, heard him say things like, Man, can I just can I just, just let me out of the cell for five minutes? I'm I'm having an anxiety attack, a panic attack. And how has Sheriff Boudreaux's office responded to the allegations? Well, Sheriff's Office spokesperson Ashley Schwarm uh, emailed me a statement calling the allegations false. She said they do have robust plans and procedures in place and that the jail is providing the highest level of care and concern for the people incarcerated there. When I asked about some of the specifics of the plaintiff's claims, the sheriff's office did agree to an interview, but then at the last minute, their attorney called me and said they wouldn't be commenting on ongoing litigation. So there are some specific questions I'm just not going to have answers to for a while. Well, what about this one? How many people have been infected with COVID at the jail? Well, even that one, um, Schwarm would not actually confirm that number with me. There is a state dashboard of, uh, of California's jails, but it's incomplete and many numbers have been redacted. Um, the New York Times COVID tracker, however, does list the total at 192 cases among both inmates and staff at the jail. And in Schwarm's statement, she did at least tell me that there are zero active infections currently at the jail and that no one who's tested positive has ever needed to be hospitalized. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to COVID-19 This Week with reporter Carrie Klein. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock. Thanks to our news director, Alice Daniel and engineer, Don Weaver. We'll be back next Friday. And be sure to check out our other weekly podcast, Valley Edition. You could find all this and more on our website, kvpr.org.